Day. You may have seen today that Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky spoke to the UN Security Council via video. He talked about Russia's military needing to be brought to justice immediately for war crimes. He made that plea again as evidence continued to emerge of civilian massacres carried out by Russian forces on the outskirts of the capital, Kiev. Zelensky, through a translator, says Russian forces are responsible for atrocities in Ukraine. The images, particularly from the town of Bucha, have stirred global revulsion, led to demands for tougher sanctions and war crime prosecutions against Russia. They've also led to a number of countries expelling Russian diplomats. Many, Germany, Italy, Spain, Slovenia, Denmark, Romania, Sweden, France, the EU, Estonia, and Latvia, and Lithuania, whose ambassador we'll talk to later in the show. But not us, not Canada. We're considering following the lead, apparently. Now, the opposition has been calling for the ouster of Russian diplomats, the ambassador in particular, since the beginning of the invasion, but apparently suggesting it would lead to retaliation. Uh, we've decided not to. We want to retain our diplomatic presence in Moscow, allegedly, to ensure an accurate flow of information. Although when I was there interviewing people, I, I don't ever remember there being a flow of information to any Canadian official there that we were cut off from the Kremlin. Everyone's cut off from the Kremlin. So why we haven't decided to follow suit is a mystery to me. I'd like to know what you think. 877-399-9898. That's 877-399-9898. Should we start giving the boot to Russian diplomatic staff in this country, following the lead of many, many, many other countries after the kinds of atrocities we've seen in Bucha and we expect to see elsewhere in Ukraine as Russian forces withdraw for now? Well, that war is into its 42nd day. The repercussions continue to reverberate around the world, including here at home, not just when it comes to not uh, giving the boot to diplomats. Defense Minister Anita Anand said this recently at the Ottawa Conference on Security and Defense uh, about what Canada needs to be to take its rightful place in these kinds of crises. What can a country like ours, an incredible country like ours, bring to the table when the international order upon which we all rely, is in such clear and present danger. That was said a few weeks ago. So is Canada doing enough? Certainly the words are pretty, uh, but actions, are we doing enough? Joining me now is Rob Hubert. He's an associate professor in the Department of Political Science at the University of Calgary and an expert in Canadian defense policy. Rob, thanks so much for being here tonight. My pleasure, Ben. You wrote uh, an op-ed recently for the National Post called Canada is doing as little as it can and hoping no one notices, um, which is pretty pointed. And I was wondering what led you to that conclusion and has it changed at all since that was written? No, because, I mean, we start, the thing that really drove me to um, write that is, of course, that was the period in time in which we had Poland, the Czechs and the Slovak leadership going into Kiev, risk, risking their lives, trying to provide real aid to the Ukrainians. And looking at what Canada has done, um, if anything, I think the polite term would be appease Russia in, in the initial phases, and then just basically be a follower. Um, I suspect, you know, following what you said in your introduction, we will probably follow and expel the ambassador um, from Russia. But in terms of any leadership, in terms of anything that goes out of the sort of collective decisions of, um, of NATO and Europe, we see nothing. In the one phase, and, and I'd offer a slight correction. You said, uh, you know, in your introduction, you said it's the 42nd day of the war. 
And that's True. wrong, of course, because yeah, it's actually I mean, the eighth year and 42nd day of the war. Ex yes. Exactly. I mean, yeah. remember, the fighting never stopped in the Domus region. And uh, of course, the seizure of Crimea is not an annexation. It's, a, it's, a, it's an invasion. And, uh, and within that period of time, Canada went out of its way to, to assure the Russians that uh, we did not associate what they were doing in, in the Ukraine would interfere with our cooperation with them in the Arctic. Uh, the Harper government had offered the Ukrainians um, uh, a radar sat imagery, which would provide them with a means of being able to track some of the Russian motion as the war continues at that point. The Liberals cancelled that. There was no lethal aid. It was only brought forward when the, when the resumption of fighting occurred in the second phase of the war. And with the exception of the continued commitment to the, um, uh, the trainers and the uh, commitment to Latvia, we do nothing. And even in regards to the trainers, we pull them out at a time that they probably could have provided a deterrent effect if us, the Brits and the Americans had said, we're leaving our troops in here, Russia, if you harm them, that's, uh, that, that of course is your responsibility. And we did none of that. And today we're seeing an article from John Iveson, of course, who writes for the National Post, for Post Media, apparently that uh, there had been a proposal on the table from people here to provide uh, Ukraine with Harpoon Block 11 anti-ship missiles. Of course, uh, you know, the areas along that south coast, Odessa, Mariupol, uh, clearly Mariupol, but Odessa specifically are, are in danger. And this was supposed to try to, in some ways, mitigate that threat from the sea. But again, uh, no movement. We always have to be a little cautious. I mean, we may be moving. Something like this has to be done very subtly. It has to be done out of the limelight if it's to be done effectively. In other words, these weapons have to just suddenly show up in the Rush uh, in the Ukrainian hands, so the Russians can't really get a determination for the pipeline going. So we have to give the government a, a benefit of the doubt in that regard. But if uh, Ivinson is correct that in fact that the government is rebuffing to send it, it would be following a pattern of behavior that has been established since the government's been elected. So what do you think lies behind it? I mean, in the past, there was always this notion that Canada could somehow play sort of bridge between Russia or between the Soviet Union at the time and, and the Americans that we were somehow, you know, we could be a peacemaker and all this. Do you think that's a hangover from those days, not recognizing perhaps that Vladimir Putin's regime doesn't really do peacemaking or doesn't doesn't deal with the Canadas of the world? Well, I mean, I've got two answers to that. I mean, first of all, I, you know, anybody that really understood Canada's role, we were a full contributor to NATO. Um, you know, we, we had the peace initiative with Pierre Trudeau, but that was for a very fleeting moment where I think there were some sort of visions of, uh, of being able to act as a, as a intermediate with the changing nuclear balance that was occurring at the time. So, I think that anyone that was carefully observing it was seeing that, in fact, no, Canada did do its part as a as a full member of NATO in that regards. And that was to be able to deter and not deter, fight the Russians. Now, we, we move forward, though, in terms of why Canada is doing this. First of all, Canada has shown the well, the current government has shown no interest in developing a form or foreign policy. So we have a defense policy that was developed back in 2017, and that's of course going what through five years ago. Um, but we've had no official foreign policy. We know in regards to the treatment of China. We're the only eyes five country that still hasn't come to the recognition that the Chinese um, industries are, in fact, state-run entities. 
and have refused to to make a judgment the way that the Australians, Brits, New Zealands, and Americans have. And so you see this continued policy of basically not wanting to offend authoritarian states. Um, I don't know what drives it. I don't know what someone, you know, anyone within the PMO thinks that somehow this is an appropriate foreign policy, but it is, it is a pattern of behavior that we've seen since 2015. Yeah. I mean, perhaps it's just a lack of planning. I mean, to some extent there is no, if there is no plan, then, then, you know, they just sort of go from crisis to crisis. Well, that's possible too, but I mean, we have to give the government credit for the, you, you may agree or disagree with what they're doing in response to the other existential threat that Canada faces, which is climate change. They do have a plan, um, you know, here in Alberta, there is a, a lot of disagreement in terms of the nature of the plan, but there is a long-term plan. So mm-hmm. they have indicated that where there is political will, they can plan and they can plan quite well. Um, it seems to be either a complete disinterest in terms of what we would characterize as a changing geopolitical environment or perhaps it's the continued uh, problem that we've often faced with successive Canadian governments, not just this one, of wishful thinking and knowing that ultimately the Americans are there to protect us. I'm speaking with Rob Hubert. He's an associate professor in the Department of Political Science at the University of Calgary and an expert in Canadian defence policy. After this, we'll talk about the upcoming budget because we're expecting to see more defence spending in there. And I'm curious, Rob, to know what you think is coming and what you think we won't see. That's next. I'm speaking with Rob Hubert. He's an associate professor in the Department of Political Science at the University of Calgary, an expert in Canadian defense policy. We've been discussing Canada's military support for Ukraine, whether we're doing enough. Part of the problem, of course, is this goes back well into the Harper years as well as a lack of defense spending means we don't have much to give these days. Uh, Here's Defense Minister Anita Anand uh, recently at the Ottawa Conference on Security and Defense about what her plans are for the future. We need a well-equipped military that can defend our country and contribute to continental and global security. And not for a moment does this leave my mind. And I'm pressing and pressing to ensure that we, as a government, are able to step up to support and invest in a well-equipped military that can defend our country and contribute to continental and global security. Defense Minister Anita Anand there. Rob, what do you, I mean, we know that we're way below the NATO's 2% uh, benchmark for defense spending. I don't think there's any point in getting there. We wouldn't be able to spend all that money that quickly given the procurement system. But what should we be looking for in this budget? What would be satisfactory, do you think? Well, I mean, we can start off by, of course, recognizing we are 1.4%. I think that puts us uh, the fifth lowest at the bottom in terms of NATO, just so that we can have a full appreciation. Um, One of the quick answers always is, well, do what you said you were going to do in 2017. Um, When the defense policy came out, there was a lot of hullabaloo that was fully costed, uh, said that they were going to take two terms to do it. They were confident they were going to be reelected and to be able to do so. And of course, here we are in 2022 in a, a rapidly changing geopolitical environment where I think the threat has been laid bare to us, at least from the Russian perspective. We're still 
people sleepwalking about the Chinese to a certain degree, and we haven't done any of it. We, we, we supposedly have some form of a decision with the C-35s, but if you read the announcements, or F-35s, I should say, right. if you read it carefully, it's uh, just saying, well, we're going to negotiate, um, and if that negotiations fail, we'll go to our second choice. I mean, that's not a decision in my mind. We're still a long way off in terms of seeing steel being cut for the um, for the the um, uh, Canadian surface combatant. No discussions on submarines and NORAD modernization. Um, you know, most people are thinking, okay, well, we have to update a few of the radar sites up in the North Warning System, and that'll do it. The problem is with the type of systems that the Russians have now developed, and that we know the Chinese are developing. You need a lot more, and it's got to go way beyond what they were talking about 2017. And so if we're going to actually do what she says we're going to do, which is to provide for continental defense, do all the stuff that you said, but also take care of all the new threats that have developed since that point. And it's going to be quite expensive. I don't think there's no sugarcoating it if it's done. Yeah, I mean, where do you? I think one of the problems the military has been having too, and I mean, you know, is that is that we've asked, we've called on the military to do so much now when it comes to to civil defense, when it comes to the pandemic, when it came, you know, floods, fires, you name it. Um, it feels like we need to prioritize something and then start there and just build up and build up from there. This is the dangerous part. We've changed the the normative understanding of why we have a military. Uh, part of it is, of course, the, the, the political discourse that we get from our leadership that our forces are there to shovel snow. They're there to go to the, uh, to the old folks' homes uh, when COVID strikes. They're there to provide assistance when there's uh, any type of power outage. And this has created a mis- misperception that our military is a constabulatory force. And the reality is in this international environment that's actually been developing clearly since at least 2008, if not earlier, you still have to be able to fight. You still have to be able to deter. You need to be able to do the very nasty things that a military does. And you can't have it all. That's not 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 on the budget that we're providing, not with the numbers. I mean, 65,000 troops to do all of this? Come on. Uh, it just doesn't get done. And so what's happened is that Quite frankly, we look very directionless in terms of understanding what is necessary to provide the proper security in a very nasty international system. That means having the ability to kill and to be killed. I mean, that is what a military, in essence, is all about. We certainly saw that in Afghanistan. Um, I guess the last question, because I asked everyone else, Rob, should we expel the Russian ambassador? Is that, is, do you think that's, it seems in some ways purely symbolic, but at this point, it seems purely symbolic. It seems unfortunately symbolic not to do it. Well, it goes beyond symbolic not to do it uh, because we get back into this pattern of appeasement for the Russians. Um, you know, we think about the Russians launching their, their the initiation of this war um, in 2014. We think about the huge casualties to the Russian forces uh, pushed on the um, on the Georgians. They, you know, once again, it's hard to get a, a number, but they're probably in the tens of thousands, if not higher. And yet we're sitting there saying, well, we can still do business with Putin and Lavrov and all all the rest. And I just don't understand that thinking. So 
to not expel the Russian um, uh, ambassador at this point is suggesting that we're not taking it that particular serious in terms of what they have done, particularly when you think about the obvious war crimes that are going on at this point in time. And so I think that there, it goes beyond symbolism if we keep them. It sends a s- clear signal to, to the Russian administration that we're not going to be serious on any of this, even on the symbolic side. Rob Hubert, thank you so much for your time. I'm sure we'll be speaking again soon. We'll be seeing this budget in a few days. We'll see what uh, we'll see what's in there. Sounds good, Ben. I look forward to it.